Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Um, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Open there. We'll read some verses in just a moment. If you don't have a Bible, some on the sides of the tech booth back there. Feel free to grab one and uh, uh, borrow it if you need to borrow it. You can take it with you if you need to take it with you. That's our gift. If you're a user of the Bible app, you can open up your app and find our live event and um, track along with the scriptures and sermon notes and so on. So let's, uh, let's pray, ask for God's help, and then we'll get going, okay? Uh, Father, our yes is on the table now. We've sung it. We, it was right up there on the screen and coming out, blaring out of our mouths. Yes, Lord, my life is yours. Our lives are yours. And so that doesn't just include a Sunday kind of life. It includes all of our lives. So I pray that as we think about work and what the week holds and all those things, that you would uh, uh, take us at our word and we would be serious about it. That our yes would be on the table. And we, we would uh, be able to step into the things that you have for us this week with that yes still ringing in our ears. And things would change. Things would be different, not only in us, but also in our spaces, wherever those are, because of, um, because of uh, our, our moments as we uh, look into your word and because of the yes that we've said. So come now and um, speak to your people, challenge us, change us, don't let us be the same. Whatever you do, don't let us be the same. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen and amen. Okay, so uh, this is week two of uh, um, a a three-part series on work, Uh, my work, and then we kind of put it in brackets as my worship, but really my work, my worship, thinking about how we engage in the things that we do uh, vocationally. Now, I've said this before, I'll say it again, uh, I'm going to use the work in the broadest sense of the term because every one of you works. If you work outside of the home and draw a paycheck, great. If you work inside of the home and don't draw a paycheck, that's, all, that's still work. Uh, if you're retired and have things that you do, uh, that's work. If, uh, if you are like a professional volunteer at you know various and sundry places, still work. It's all things that you do. So I'm using work in the broadest sense of that. The question on the table is how uh, do I apply that section of time and those uh, uh, sets of activities, how do I apply those in a way and approach those in a way such that God receives worship from me? Last week we talked about um, why we work and just the review statement goes something like this. Uh, that we uh, are, are part of God's bringing order to chaos by doing what? By creating and cultivating here in God's good world. So we create things, um, maybe experiences for people, maybe uh, tools for people to use so that they can grow, whatever it may be, uh, so that they're safe, however it is. Uh, We create things and we cultivate things. We help things that are already in existence grow to be their best. And so we bring order to chaos by creating and cultivating in God's good work. And the, the DNA part of our church family that kind of wraps around this and defines this is that we we ready to launch meaning we we are we, what we want is this kind of to be a pad for you so that God shapes you and gets you all fueled up or ready and then sends you out and some of us he sends out into ministry as we said last week and some of us he sends out into Monday everybody's got a Monday coming so no matter what it looks like for you 
uh, that would be the case. So last week, again, why we work uh, to create and cultivate in God's good world in order to bring order to chaos. This week, how we work, okay? And so with that in mind, Colossians chapter 3. I'll give you two principles today with a couple of bullets underneath them. Uh, and the one is actually not in our primary text. And we're not going to spend uh, much time digging into this section, but I just want you uh, to, to think about this with me. Uh, when we approach work, how do we do this in a way that is worship unto God? First thing, family first. Family first. So in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 22 to 24 and talk about how we work. But before then, in verses 18 to 21, listen to what it says. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives um, and don't be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. The reason why, in fact, the two places in the New Testament where uh, Paul addresses work-related things, which we'll see here in just a second, he addresses family-related things first. So before he takes on vocation, he speaks to the home. Before he thinks about the office, he speaks to the house. Okay? And the reason why I think it's important in our unique suburban context to say family first is because you, like me, and I have absolutely fallen prey to this and have absolutely misaligned my priorities where I put other things before my family. Anybody been guilty? Don't raise your hand because you may catch an elbow like, you know, as you do it. Um, we, we, we have the temptation and some of us have the experience of putting things before our family. Um, and so Paul um, orders this correctly to say family first. Let's think about home before we think about the office. How do we healthily um, engage that? So how do we then think about our work as worship in a way that, that keeps our family first? Two things, uh, and I can't remember who said it, but it is lodged in my brain and I haven't been able to shake it. So, um, But he said it this way. He gave these three words. I think that they're so good. There are bad substitutes for what our family really needs that we provide when we put family over, uh, excuse me, when we put work over family. And they are toys, tech, and travel. Toys, tech, and travel. Those are bad substitutes. Hey, uh, I work and I know it's long hours, so I'm going to bring something home for my people to um, uh, uh, kind of enjoy themselves with, right? I'm going to bring a toy home of some stripe. It can be, you know, Older people, younger people, whatever it is, I'm going to bring something home so that they have some entertainment. Or tech, hey, listen, I work hard. I know I'm gone a lot, but man, these people want this newest, flashiest, coolest thing. And so I am able, because of my hard work, to provide for them this cool stuff. Or, hey, I work hard. I travel a lot. But man, you should see my frequent flyer mile account. I'm a, a United Mileage Plus, whatever the top tier thing is. And like, we get a jillion miles a year and we go wherever we want to and that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't have any time to take off. But man, I'm ready uh, to travel when we actually have time to toys, tech, and travel. Those would be bad substitutes for what your family really needs. And what does your family really need? You at home. Your family needs a wife that's engaged with a husband and a husband who lays down his life for his wife. And your, your family needs a, 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 a parental influence that doesn't uh, exasperate or, or even um, try to give some sort of cultural anesthesia to your kids. Oh, I know you miss me a lot, but here, here's something. Just hold on to that for a minute. Oh, and it doesn't need kids who don't know who their parent is. You want to get to your funeral and not have your people have to lie about you. Toys, tech, and travel, they're bad substitutes. 
for what they really need and what they really need is you. So often, and I will say this is true, when I have changed or traded um, uh, work, ministry in particular in my case, work for family, when I've made that trade, so often it has to do about what my questions are deep down inside of me. Do I have what it takes here? Uh, am I doing a good job here? Whatever it is. And I would just say this, I wrote it down, I want to, we don't have to seek something from work that we didn't receive from someone or somewhere by sacrificing our families. One more time. We don't have to seek from work what we did not receive from our parents or from somebody else, what we did not receive by sacrificing our families. And that's so often is, is how this goes. And uh, uh, we talk about any number of examples. Let me just hold up one more time this value. We picked this up yesterday about gospel, or excuse me, last week, about gospel transformation, that, that we are a people who believe that Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so when we need something like approval and purpose and that kind of thing, we don't have to go running to work and sacrifice our families in order to get it. We can look to the gospel and the good news of Jesus and what he has done for us how he has changed uh, uh, our lives by dying in our place and for our sins and rising again to give us life and freedom. We really can be transformed to be that kind of stuff. And the yes of God can rule and reign over our lives. The yes that comes in Jesus. We don't have to ask work for that. It, It doesn't really answer in the ways that we need it to anyway. And when we sacrifice our families on the altar of, of that seeking approval, Uh, that's a bad trade. And so that's where this next little piece goes. You you don't want to sacrifice your long-term gains for the short-term gains. Like that's the worst business practice of all time, is it not? But yet we're tempted to do it with our families. And I just don't think we want to be those kinds of people. So if work is going to be worship for us, it starts with family first. Family first. Okay. Now Colossians 3 verse 22. Um, I don't have time to unpack all this. Let me just say the first word, at least in this, in my particular Bible, says bondservant. Some of you may have slaves. Um, old world slavery, first century slavery is very different than new world slavery. The slavery that we as Americans have is the kind of big, uh, horrible experience uh, from the 16, 17, 1800s. So um, we're not talking about those are not the same. Uh, first world slavery really has its analog in kind of our current work situation. They're not apples to apples. But it's, that's the closest thing. Just leave it at that. The principles that we draw here will be more economic. Verse 22. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily or some of, with all of your heart. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you, uh, you will receive uh, the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So let me just, family first, and now work as our worship. Work as our worship. If we're going to ex- examine how this happens, work, we need to approach work as our worship. Um, the two 
bullets underneath here, I want to highlight, go like this. Um, we have to be willing to put down and we need to put down the, uh, the, the divide between what is sacred and what is secular. We need to put that down. No division between what is sacred and what is secular. When we do that, it results in freedom. We'll talk about that in just a second, but let me show you where I get this in the text. Verse 23, whatever you do, Work heartily or with all your heart. If you skip back up to verse 17, and whatever you do in word uh, or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So you've got whatever you do, do it in Jesus' name uh, to his glory. And whatever you do, work with all of your heart. And then he says at the end of verse 22, do these sets of things in such a way that you fear the Lord. There is no divide between what is sacred and what is secular. And the result of that is freedom. And I will uh, show you a couple of, uh, just offload some of this here. I've thought about this a lot. Uh, one of the things that it frees us from is hypocrisy. Is hypocrisy, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll set it up this way. My my work experience uh, for the past twenty something years has been in ministry. So let me set it up with a story from my life, and then let's translate it. Um, uh, the guy that I consider my pastor, um, he's actually preached here before. His name's Barry. Uh, he was in a church one time. Two things happened almost back to back, something like this. And, and he was in the meeting and they were talking, having a pretty heated discussion about something. And Barry just kept saying, well, the Bible says, well, the Bible says, well, the Bible says, well, the Bible says. And finally, one of the guys said back to him, I'm quoting now, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm talking about Baptist doctrine. Is that repulsive to anybody? Like you just throw up in your mouth a little bit? You're like... <laughs> Same guy showed up with a couple of others the later that week and uh, I came into his office and said, Pastor, we need to talk to you. Please come on, have a seat. Tell me what's going on. I don't like the people that are coming to our church now because they had seen explosive growth. They baptized 100 people in a year, people from the other side of the tracks and everybody knows what that means and all of the stuff that comes with it. They didn't like those people because they weren't like them. Pastor Barry said something along the lines of, you're not going to like heaven much either, but that's a whole different, if you get there. That's a whole different thing, right? Um, that's repulsive, right? Like if somebody would say, we're not talking about the Bible, we're talking about this. We're not, you know, I don't like the people that, that God is drawing to our church as if, you know, it's my church that I need to somehow, I don't know. Anyway, like that's repulsive, right? And, and we all kind of react to that like that. And, and if, that, if that is true in this world, what would the translation be in your world? See if this rings true at all. Oh, we're not talking about church. This is business, See, we're not, we're not talking about Sunday stuff. This is just, this is business. This has nothing to do with spiritual things. This is business. And oftentimes, just like that guy, as he's talking, oftentimes we use that to justify what we already have decided we wanted to do. And it's completely unspiritual and unworshipful. It is hypocritical. We would never do that in some other place, but we would do it there. Um, it, when we demolish the division between sacred and secular, it frees us from hypocrisy. It also frees us to something, not just from something, but to something, to an eternal purpose. In other words, what I do really matters. What I do releases good into the world. Again, uh, cultivate and create. You're creating these environments maybe. Maybe you're creating a product. Maybe you're creating an experience as teachers. Or otherwise, you're, you're creating a moment where students can pick something up and light bulbs go on. You're creating something. It is, you're creating, it frees you to 
an eternal purpose. You're helping them become someone or see something that they've never seen before. Or you're cultivating. And so you're, you're working uh, with what is already there to make it grow and to flourish. And there are parts you kind of have to lop off and, and move away. There's, there's grass, so to speak, that needs to be mowing and weeds that need to be pulled out so that this thing can flourish. You, you're freeing not only from the hypocrisy of that this is business, but you are uh, uh, freed to make a difference eternally in somebody's life by creating and cultivating and bringing order to chaos as a result of that. Uh, Here's a third freedom that comes with it. Um, Because there is no division between sacred and secular, sacred and secular, sorry, uh, it frees us to see that uh, others who are doing work as God's work. It frees us to see others doing work as God's work. So I'll just give you a very brief example. How many of you are going to go out to eat after we're done here? Me! So I'm talking about, where are you going? I'll go with you. No, just kidding. Uh, there will be somebody who shows up at your table. Hi, my name's whatever. I would, uh, I would like to uh, help you. Can I take your drink order? Hey, have you decided what you had? Do you have time to uh, decide what you wanted to eat? Uh, do you need anything else? Can I get you some extra napkins? Who wants more chips? Do you need a refill? Uh, is everything come out okay? Is that the right thing with the right cheese on the right stuff? Or whatever it is, right? You're going through all of that, right? And then... They're going to be there to serve you. If there's no division between what is sacred and what is secular, that person, you can see that person as doing God's work. They're doing you a service. And that then determines, if you see them as, that determines how you speak to them. And how you appeal to them. Hey, do you mind if I, can we get some more water, please? Versus... Need some more water over here. Or. And it determines not only the way you speak to them and not only the way you appeal to them, but it determines the way that you tip them. So, if, if, I, if, I, if I have this division between sacred and secular, I can go, this is just a restaurant. If that's been put down, though, it frees me to see others as doing God's work also. Uh, last freedom to mention here is that it frees us to love and to value other workers as created in God's image. So everybody on the org chart of your group, whatever it is, home, work, whatever, everybody on the org chart, from the top to the bottom, everybody sees one another as valuable. Why? Because they're created in God's image and doing work that matters, okay? And so uh, the, the CEO, if you will, values the janitor and what's going on. I uh, had lunch with one of our guys this week. Um, he was uh, um, on a business trip, actually got to go to Chick-fil-A headquarters. How awesome is that? I'm like, do you need a chaplain next time? I'll go. That's be great. Uh, and he was talking about how he's there and there for some meetings and stuff. And um, he went down to the cafeteria. They have this cafeteria in the bottom uh, of Chick-fil-A where they don't only serve Chick-fil-A. It was a little bit of a surprise to me, but nonetheless, uh, cafeteria in the bottom. They serve all 2,000 employees breakfast and lunch if they want it. Amazing. Awesome. And uh, as he's walking around with his little tray, a lady comes up who's one of the hostess. Uh, she's from some sub-Saharan uh, African country, you know, just full of joy in life. And, and all, oh, can I help you? What do you need? She, he said, well, I need to know where to pay for this. Oh, there's no paying. It's all free. 
He's like, what do you mean it's all free? No, no, they, like, they do, and she kind of exploded effusively, like, they're so good to us. They do this uh, breakfast and lunch every day for everybody who works here. It's just free. What do you have? Okay, did you get a milkshake? I ain't got no milkshake. Come on, come on, we got to get a milkshake. And all of a sudden, he's walking around with a tray, and he's got stuff and a milkshake, and he's kind of walking out like this, right? And when it's all said and done, she's just effusive about this. And she says, oh, this is such a great place, so fun to work here, amazing. I've been here 20-something years or whatever the number was. Just, I mean, just as a hostess in a cafeteria filled up with joy about her role in this organization. Then she drops this one, and this one just stuck as he's relaying it to me. And the Kathy family, the C-level folks in the organization, the Kathy family come down, and we talk, and they know me, and we, they're just so good to us. They're just so good to us, right? Here you've got somebody who doesn't see a division between sacred and secular and, you, and, you, and it, it promotes, it frees you to love and to value the people who are doing work. And listen, side benefit for everybody in management. You have much greater buy-in by your employees when you approach life this way. You just do. You've got this woman who's effusive, who's just delighted in the fact that she gets to be a hostess in the Chick-fil-A headquarters cafeteria and wants to make sure that everybody who comes through gets a milkshake. The tendency when that happens is is an emboldening and, and a greater commitment to work. So, second part... Whatever we do, whatever it is that we do, we do it in Jesus' name and we do it with all of our heart. And the second part, I would just say this, that spiritual dynamics are in play here. Again, um, you talk about with sincerity of heart, not by way of eye service, not just doing something to be seen, but but with sincerity of the heart and fearing the Lord. And then verse 23, whatever you do, work with all of your heart. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance. Uh, You are serving the Lord Christ. There are spiritual dynamics in play here. And that promotes these uh, kind of growth opportunities, okay? But don't, don't skip past this. Like when you go and you're creating um, this educational experience for these children to get algebra, you are serving these children. And what did it say? In verse 24, you are also serving the Lord Christ. When you manage, you're over here cultivating and you're managing the floor or you're managing your store or you're managing your crew or your people or your product or your inventory or whatever it is that you have to manage. You're not only serving the people who are going to uh, uh, be impacted by that. You are serving the Lord Christ. And so the results in these growth opportunities, and I'll just give you a few um, But the spiritual life is not stagnant, right? You're either growing or shrinking. So let me just, growing or shrinking, here's one of them. The worship of God. 
Like my actual worship of God. If, if I can do what I do in Jesus' name, and if I can do what I do with all of my heart, my worship of God will grow. I will, exp- I will uh, uh, take my widget making or my management doing or my Excel spreadsheeting or whatever it is that you're going to do. I will take that and I will do it in a way that God is honored by it. I recognize that I'm serving not just the people who are going to use it, but I'm serving Jesus. And so I'm going to uh, uh, create uh, art that exists in the world and I'm going to do that in a way that God is honored by that, that worship of God. Furthermore, but it's not just an expression of worship, it's also fuel for our worship. What do I mean by that? Did anybody have a challenge at their workplace this week? Anybody? Oh, most of us did, right? So, what if, what if we replayed it this way? Okay, Lord, this is my challenge. I'm praying about this. I'm setting this before you. I need some wisdom or I need some help or I need some power. I need some restoration or I need something that only you can provide. And so I'm asking God for you to do that. And then God begins to go to work and he gives you a, a partial answer or maybe a full answer. Right? And if you, if you have that, when you walk into this room for this moment and you start singing, would anything have changed about the way that you sung if God had answered that prayer? Yeah, it would have. You'd be like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. My life is yours. And when I got to tackle that problem again come Thursday, it will still be yours. It fuels your worship. It fuels your worship. Your worship will grow or shrink. You don't want to be a hypocrite. Uh, It'll grow or shrink. Here's what else will grow or shrink. uh, Your spiritual formation, uh, your spiritual life will either grow or shrink. You spend a lot of hours at your workplace. Probably the um, biggest block of hours that you spend any singular place is at your workplace. So it will have some sort of impact on you. Will it be a positive impact, a spiritually significant impact, or a spiritually detrimental impact. Um, It is the place where you get to walk out some of the things that the Bible says, like uh, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Where are you most tempted? Well, just by hours, it's probably work. Um, uh, An unjust scale, I'm quoting Proverbs here, an unjust scale is is an abomination to the Lord. Where are you most tempted to be be unjust or to act unjustly? uh, It's at work, right? Um, Or um, love your neighbor as yourself uh, or uh, uh, to continue to persevere in whatever you do. And you think it to yourself, well, listen, I'm not really you know, all that important in my organization. And so I'm just there flipping switches or doing whatever. Listen, the way that you do those, though, matters. And it will form you. It may not have huge impact on the company, but it will form you. Spiritual formation or malformation, if it's bad. Thirdly, grow or shrink. How about this? How about the plausibility of the gospel? Is the gospel more believable because of the way that you approach your work? Whatever your work looks like, is it more believable because of the way that you approach your work? A a faithful excellence. I don't just make widgets. I make darn good widgets. Like, I'm not the best teacher, but I'm working hard at being a better teacher. Is the gospel more plausible because of the way that you work? 
Uh, uh, fourthly, what will grow or shrink as you approach this is opportunities for proclamation of that gospel. We'll talk more about this next week. But, you know, the workplace is not a minefield. The workplace is a mission field, right? That's, that's how we have to approach this. And so you have opportunities for proclamation of the gospel, for ministry, in the conversations that you get into, in the tables that you get to sit at, uh, even in the simple passing in the hall. Man, you look down, you're doing okay. Oh, man, golly, I'll pray for you about that. Is that all right? Yeah, okay, great. And you just move on. Plausibility of the gospels, yes, but also opportunities for proclamation of the gospel. And lastly, what will grow or shrink is the common good. In other words, what you contribute as you bring order to chaos by creating and cultivating in God's good world. Um, the common good, like that's what God has given you to do to release good in the world by the way that you create, by the way that you cultivate. Had a conversation this week with somebody about their job situation, maybe a job change. I said, man, I hope you get it and I hope you make a ton of money. It's weird for a pastor to say, isn't it? A little. But the truth is, it's that this person had proven their character, that they were trustworthy with what they had. And God says, if you're trustworthy with what you have, he can give you more. He can entrust you with more. Not because you will like take it and spend it on yourself and buy a new boat or whatever, but because like you will release more good into the world with more resources. It's not the it's not money that's the root of all evil. What is it? It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. He had long gotten over the love of money. And so I, I told him, like, I hope you make a jillion dollars, man. Go for it. I think it's awesome. You have to walk in the awareness of these things. As, because spiritual dynamics are at work, um, you have to walk in the awareness of these things. And I'll close with this story. Uh, my wife was working different place than it is now, than she is now. Um, and there was some spiritual, serious spiritual stuff at work. Uh, there was one particular choke point in the organization, one particular office, one particular person. There were religious differences. There were personality differences. There was experience differences, education differences. There you, it was different all the way around, different. And it was just like this the entire time. So she's asking um, for prayer in this in her, in her uh, Sunday school class. And one of the gals comes up and goes, listen, I don't know if this is going to help or not, but what if you did like Joshua? And you just drove around the place and then parked. She said, what's it going to hurt? So for the long, I don't know, I can't remember exactly the time frame. So for a while, when she'd pull in, she'd drive around the building before she parked, praying, God, just be with me, help me. You know what happened? The building came to, no, it didn't, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't. But what did come down was the, was the enmity, was the, the, the roughness, was the, all the stuff there. Like re, that relationship began to be something that was helpful, not only to my wife personally, but to the office. Like it, it became a thing from this to something like this, where you're like, oh, okay, this, I can be of help here. I can be of service here. And, and here's the thing, like, I don't think that's a magic bullet for anybody. You may go drive around your thing tomorrow and nothing else happened. Don't blame me, okay? Uh, I'm simply saying, like, we have to approach our lives with this kind of spiritual dynamics. Hey, there are spiritual dynamics at work in my office, whether it's spiritual opposition or the own stuff that's rolling around in my heart. And I say that, why? Because um, we need to approach our lives like that. And certainly our vocations like that. Why? Why? Because the world is broken. Your office is broken. Your plant is broken. Your school is broken. And every person that you come into contact with, guess what? 
they're broken. So we need to invest, to engage spiritually, drive around, so to speak, walk the walls, so to speak, in order to, to see if spiritual things will happen. And here's the, like, the reason why we have to do that is because the world is broken. The, the, the reason why we can expect God to do something in that is because Jesus has pursued us and he has brought his power to bear on our lives not just your Sunday life, but all of your life. When we sung a while ago, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, my life is yours. You weren't talking just about your spiritual life. Some of you were raising your hands saying, my life, all of me is yours. Jesus, we, we need it because the world is broken. But Jesus has pursued us and he has brought his power to bear on us so that we can do good in this world. So we have to live aware spiritually of what's going on. And we gather together to remind ourselves of that. And we open God's word to remind ourselves of that. And we study and we pray and we preach and we sing to remind ourselves of that. And church family, we come to a time of communion to remind ourselves of that. Jesus has pursued us and he has brought his power to bear on our lives so that we can do good in the world. So I'm going to offer a prayer and give us a moment to just settle in and then we're going to take communion together as a church family. If you want to put your books down or fold your stuff up or whatever you need to do here. If deacons, if you'll make your way this way, we'll get ready to serve.